0: at the same time, next week. RDHK News. It's one o'clock, on Pierre Tremblay. The top story is 19 people are injured too seriously in a night of chaos and clashes in multiple districts. A lawmaker says leaked remarks by Chief Executive Carrie Lam shows that one country, two systems is effectively l- dead, and the US president calls off secret talks with the Taliban leaders. Two men are in a serious condition this morning after clashes between police and protesters in various districts last night. At least 19 people received hospital treatment, of whom 13 were said to be in stable condition and four were released. The two who are in serious condition are being treated at Guanghua Hospital and Prince of Wales Hospital. Clashes broke out between protesters and police around Prince Edward Satin and Taipo Market MTR stations last night after a planned attempt to cause major disruption on airport links to the airport on transport links to the airport failed to materialize. There was also a standoff between residents and police in Jiangwanou the Labour Party lawmaker Fernando Cheung has urged Beijing to restore the one country, two systems principle here, saying a leaked recording shows the chief executive Carrie Lam is nothing but a puppet. Mrs. Lam was heard telling business leaders that her political room for manoeuvre was very limited because she had to serve two masters, the central government and Hong Kong people. She also said that if she had a choice, she'd resign. Speaking on RTHK's Letter to Hong Kong program, Mr. Zhang said Mrs. Lam's comments essentially spell the end of One Country, Two Systems. It seems that she has completely become a puppet of Beijing, and she couldn't even resign on her own will. So just how can Hong Kongers expect a puppet chief executive to protect and implement the One Country, Two Systems rule? Carrie Lam's mission of her inability to make any vital decisions in dealing with the political crisis is a testimony to the death of the One Country, Two Systems. So just how will this end? To me, it's simple. Give us back the One Country, Two Systems and honor the promise of giving Hong Kong a genuine universal suffrage election system. The Chief Secretary, Matthew Cheung, has acknowledged that the government's move to withdraw the extradition bill may not be enough to alleviate public unhappiness, but he hopes it will be the first step to resolving the current stalemate. In a blog post, he said Chief Executive Carrie Lam's decision to scrap the bill last week did not represent a concession to violence and insisted that complaints over the police use of force should be made under the established complaints mechanism. He again ruled out an independent inquiry. Journalism groups, including the RTHK program staff union, have condemned the police for pepper-spraying journalists during last night's clearance action in Mong Kok. The union demanded an apology from the police chief Stephen Lowe and said members of the police tactical unit known as Raptors had repeatedly used pepper spray and shoved reporters while police were making arrests. The chairman of the government's Task Force on Homeschool Cooperation and Parent Education says schools and parents need to communicate better to ease tensions as pupils make their voices heard in the anti-extradition movement. Tim Lay was speaking after many children took part in class boycotts and joined protests at school. The protests have caused tensions and police were called to some schools. But Mr Lai says cooperation can ease tensions. Obviously, you know, any, any of these happenings uh, would cause some concern because it affects the normal operation of, of the school because uh, the primary purpose of the school is, is for educational purposes. But we also, uh, you know, understand, you know, that at the moment that there are various requests and, uh, from different parties. And that's why the school, the management, as well as the parents' group and students we just need to, you know, have more dialogue and come to a mutually acceptable arrangement. U.S. President Donald Trump has said he's called off peace negotiations with the Taliban after a deadly attack in Kabul in which a U.S. soldier died. The U.S. special envoy to Afghanistan had reached a draft peace deal with the militant group last week. The BBC's Steve Jackson reports. In a series of tweets, Mr Trump revealed details of an astonishing secret meeting that had been planned for Sunday at Camp David. He was due to meet Taliban leaders, he said, and separately the Afghan president. But after an attack by the group in Kabul on Thursday that killed 12 people, including an American soldier, Mr Trump said he'd immediately cancelled the meeting and called off peace talks. What kind of people would kill so many in order to strengthen their negotiating position, the president asked. It took months of painstaking diplomacy to get a draft peace deal, and US diplomats will be hoping that it wasn't all in vain, and talks can soon be revived. You're listening to RTHK. The time is five minutes past one. A senior member of the British government has resigned over Brexit in a new blow to the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. Amber Rudd called Mr Johnson's expulsion of 21 Conservative MPs from the party for voting against his Brexit policy an assault on democracy. She announced her resignation in a statement to the Sunday Times newspaper. I knew and I accept that the Prime Minister should be able to leave No Deal on the table. But what I had expected to see was a huge government-centered effort to get a deal. And at the moment there is a lot of work going on into No Deal and not enough going into getting a deal. And then on top of that, I've seen 21 of my colleagues, good, strong, conservative MPs, with true, moderate, progressive values, excluded from the party. The director of a prestigious department in the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, known as the Media Lab, has resigned over his ties to the disgraced financier Jeffrey Epstein. Joichi Ito emailed his resignation as director and professor to the university on Saturday. The BBC's David Willis reports from Washington, D.C. Over the course of a decade, Mr Ito accepted more than $1.5 million from Jeffrey Epstein, the money divided between the Media Lab and his own investment projects. Mr Ito has already apologised for that. His resignation follows the publication of a newspaper article alleging that staff at the department attempted to cover up their ongoing relationship with Jeffrey Epstein even after he became persona non grata. Epstein pleaded guilty in 2008 to charges of soliciting underage girls and served a 13-month prison sentence. Russians go to the polls on in Moscow and other towns and cities today with the governing United Russia party struggling to maintain its grip. The vote follows some of the biggest protests in years in the Russian capital from Moscow. Here's the BBC's Sarah Rainsford. This has been a summer of discontent in Moscow with street protests, clashes with police, mass arrests and criminal trials all over an election to the Moscow city parliament that would usually pass barely noticed. But this year, opposition activists were barred from running and crowds took to the streets. The very tough response from police and then prosecutors suggests the authorities here are worried about the souring public mood now that the economy has stuttered and the patriotic boom of recent years has faded. The top prize of the Venice Film Festival, The Golden Lion, has gone to the comic book movie Joker. Starring Joaquin Phoenix, the film is a drama about the origins of Batman's archenemy. The runner-up prize, the Silver Lion, was won by an officer and a spy, a retelling by the controversial director Roman Polanski of the Dreyfus Affair in France at the end of the 19th century. Sport, tennis, Canadian teenager Bianca Andrescu has beaten Serena Williams to win the U.S. Open Women's Singles title. The 19-year-old won her maiden Grand Slam title after beating Williams 6 She becomes Canada's first Grand Slam champion. The BBC's David Law has more. She'd never even played in the US Open before, it was only her fourth Grand Slam tournament overall, but Andreescu showed she is a natural champion in a win that leaves Williams still waiting for that elusive record-equalling 24th major title. After trading toe-to-toe for half a dozen games, Andreescu suddenly took over, winning 7 out of 8 to stand 6-3-5-1 and on the brink of the title. But when she failed to convert a championship point, Williams came roaring back to 5 all. and Andreescu's poise and courage to withstand her charge was an extraordinary sight to behold. She finished it with a clean forehand winner on return to win what is surely going to be the first Grand Slam title of many. Tonight, all eyes will be on the U.S. Open men's final between Spain's Rafael Nadal and Daniel Medvedev of Russia. A win for Nadal would put him just one behind Roger Federer's record of 20 Grand Slams. But he says he's satisfied with his career so far. Of course, I would love to be uh, the one who, who achieves more Grand Slams. But I still sleep very well without being the one who has more Grand Slams. My goal was to produce a chance to compete for the big thing again and here I am. So I give myself another chance, as I did in Wimbledon, as I did in Australia, and as I did in Roland Garros. That's the personal happiness. To end the news, our top stories once again, 19 people are injured too seriously in a night of chaos and clashes in multiple districts. A lawmaker says leaked remarks by Chief Executive Kerry Lam shows that one country, two systems is effectively dead. The news from RTHK. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a journey by DJ. A journey which along the way will bring to you new color, new dimension, new value, and a new experience. He took the midnight train going and he left Just a city boy Born and raised in to Detroit. He took the midnight Mellow wine and sheep again.